that. Yeah, they keep cycling. Oh, okay, we're live, but they keep cycling the uh, <laughs> the validator set. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, and welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. And you've just heard the derailment of our pre-show chat by some confusion from me over what the difference is between say and SWE, which I've just learned are two different chains. Um, <laughs> my mind is blown. I suddenly, because I had, no, I, I, I knew that there was some, uh, like some talk about the, the VC, is that, is it SWE that's got the big VC money and they're just starting to get ready for their, for their test nets and stuff. And I was yep. like, why are people talking about an upgrade on a network that hasn't even collected its, its Genesis file yet? There we go. That's, That's why. why. You got it. They weren't? That's why. One letter apart. Wait. One letter apart? Yeah. Only one letter apart. Only one letter. But in different orders. See? It's very subtle. <laughs> very subtle. That I mean, difference. It's a fine. Cosmos and uh, Osmo are not that far apart either. It's a fine I mean, line between clever and stupid. <laughs> but why male models? Um, <laughs> the I, I, I always go back to the Garth Marenghi joke of like, I'm a writer, which means... I just hit the keyboard and letters come out. Now getting them in the right order. <laughs> I mean that uh, it's still my someone still probably my favorite. I mean, it's actually very similar to programming as well, that that instruction. So anyway, um this week's episode is a bumper DPS episode, given all of the things that have happened <laughs> in the cosmos this week. We've had do you know what's funny is we've got this like bumper DPS episode and we put out our usual tweet like, hey, has anybody got any questions for us? Um uh, earlier today and earlier in the week and the only questions we got were really legitimate technical questions that actually oh, wow. are quite interesting <laughs> sorry and it was like it would it would be the dps episode where we're like no no sorry we're interesting technical questions uh we have drama to deal with uh so we will entirely be dealing with the bullshit um so drama this week has, has anything happened I think so. This right? week? It's pretty quiet. Do we need to catch you up, Jabby? So, is your validator oh. up on Juno? Because uh, there was something that happened last Thursday. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's up. Uh, what was it that happened? Um, let's see. It was running just fine, and then something happened. And then <laughs> so it something wasn't? deeply unfortunate happened. <laughs> it's like the, um, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Um, I guess it was eventful, you could say. It was very eventful. I mean, I guess the t- the takeaway I suppose I'm taking from the Juno chain hole, I think I said this on Twitter, was that, um, you know, binary out to validators, instructions and everything within 10 hours. That was cool. Um, and then I think the pathological case for invariant checks to get back up and running was 24 hours. So, yeah. It's a yeah, game of two halves. There was some really, there's a big success in there, and then there's a big unfortunate thing as well. Um, as well as, I suppose, you know, just we, and we were talking about this in the pre-show is, you know, the, the circumstances around the attack itself are obviously um, pretty unfortunate. And in terms of like the, the game of node sweepstakes, are we going to do this? Who do we think did it? Everybody looks shifty. I don't know. One of us. <laughs> it was null. <laughs> Man, if I had the skills to do that, <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I wouldn't be a validator. I'd just be stealing everyone's money. <laughs> he'd have, he'd, wow. he'd done the short. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> you know when people were, you know when we were like on on twitter going like oh this this must be like um this must be like a deliberately thought through attack because you can make a load of money from it null is the example of the person that would take the money <laughs> and not attack <laughs> judo just just for reputational damage he would 100 percent have waited until it went live and shorted the shit out of it um yeah so um what so should we do are we going to do uh so we <laughs> we've got four four drama incidents to cover in some order uh, i suppose like there's something t- we should probably maybe like rip mention what happened over on solana because it's quite interesting okay um obviously it's nomad which is much closer to home and uh you know that's quite bad um the osmo halt too which i know affected all of you folks that are validating osmo it was um, less of a halt i mean it was do you want to do do talk about osmo first because i think that's a really interesting situation um do you want to explain what happened there jabby yeah so uh the expectation was that this upgrade that was going to make the epochs faster was not consensus breaking and then it turned out there is a edge case in which it is consensus breaking and we learned that 33 percent of the val set had updated uh which was not quite sufficient to you know halt the chain um and so less than 33 percent of us had to roll back to 10 um or or so and uh and keep going and so you know the the chain didn't halt per se but uh, certainly blocks became longer as waiting for timeouts so yeah raise your hand if you're affected by that yeah 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 how long when i was still drunk after dealing with it (laughs) i i'm sorry i don't even know what the fuck we're talking about (laughs) i was um so no one will answer me i don't want to read the say network bloody discord because i'm on the thing would someone just tell me like is it just what a binary swap i don't even know if my nodes stopped it is are you yeah, talking about just binary is, swap yeah just just restart it and call it good just, it, um the upgrade already happened so if you're still running then you might hit a consensus problem so i would, I would just swap out the binary and call it good no i'm pretty i don't know I'm not in the active set at the moment, so it probably doesn't really doesn't matter. matter. But, but the, the, I just, so this is oh, when, I well, I, I'm stalled. So yeah, it's <laughs> so for Cosmovisor, the folder is one dot one dot zero beta, and that's the branch name as well. Let it run. We'll catch oh up. yeah, I'm not using Cosmovisor. Okay, so. then just then just build. It's one, running one full beta degen mode. It. <laughs> it's a test net, man. It's where I learned to break shit. There we go. I, it's easier, well, surely it's easier to just provision the same way you would provision. Well, whatever. Okay, we obviously have different approaches. Well, I've restarted now, so I'll see if my monitoring now says, "Oh, it's unstalled." It's all fine. So, every, roses. So when we when we had that question on a on a previous episode, and somebody was like, "How did this get started?" and I think one of us, possibly me or Null, facetiously went, "Oh yeah, well, we basically used to just." be on a video chat and then we decide to film the video chat and then that is the podcast this moment perfectly illustrates the truth of that like <laughs> normally we have like a veneer of professionalism where we're not actually talking actual shop but this is this is the moment that breaks down um 
So yeah, is there any uh, well, now? Now we've done debugging uh, Null's testnet node. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything else to say about the osmosis thing? It is, long- it is a quite interesting case. On I guess it, it's not so much even like there was no real problem per se, other than I suppose it maybe shows the complexity of upgrades and how they pertain to consensus, right? Well, and, and I, I thought think- it was a go, go ahead. ahead. I, was, I thought it was pretty interesting because the consensus breaking part of it was that um, the logic, the end logic was the same. It was that like the way they did the logic. So let's say you did like a transaction, then you did a stake in, in one function. It swapped those two, right? So normally that wouldn't matter if it all went through correctly because all the gas would be the same, all the estimates would be the same, whatever. But because they swapped, if it failed earlier, and that's what ended up happening, that's where the consensus breakage came from. Um, so right. while there's optimization happening, it was just some kind of weird instance that caused the issue. And so how long ago before the halt did that upgrade, uh, request come out? Like, I'm, I'm curious to see how long it took for 33% to, to be able to use a new binary. A week, I think. I think it was about a week. Isn't that right, Jabby? It took a week. Uh, well, so yeah, it was I mean, for it, something, I think it was for estimating gas. And so it wasn't even like an issue yeah. within like the transactions. It was just sure. when you estimate gas, now it's not quite the same. Right. So, yeah, so it was it, very, it, go ahead. The, the, um, we, we <laughs> so this was all precipitated by the number of uh, gauges that were created for free, right? Uh, and doing some back of the napkin math and figuring out that, oh man, this is going to actually take a little while longer um, to accomplish the epoch. And so then we have this update where it's using caching more intelligently and only a subset of the validators actually adopted it. Mm-hmm. If all the validators had adopted it, then you know we we would have retained consensus at that point. But because of the way that the reordering happened, um, there was a disagreement, and yeah. <laughs> us early adopters got the ability to, uh, you know, clean up some disk space. Right, that, that's it, that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because it is like uh, there's a lot of, I, I think, certainly from maybe if you're publishing binaries, there's a lot. There is a lot of hand wringing on whether something is consensus breaking and how yes. you get it out. And it just goes to show that even if you have a pretty good idea, there's a chance that the kind of the the the, the tail of how long it takes people to actually do that deployment can have unintended effects, um, sometimes quite bad ones. And this is a relevant discussion actually recently. Um, obviously, there have been some security things happening. What? <laughs> uh, you know, we we've already mentioned last Thursday there have been some happenings in our backyard um this last week and one of the <clears throat> one of the behind the scenes discussions around um releasing breaking changes and stuff was about like well how reasonably can you expect uh changes to first of all be be actually adopted and merged in stuff by core teams if they're not just straight up contained to an upstream dependency uh, and also like how how quickly can you get stuff out to validators again like i think almost every chain has got a different approach for emergency upgrades at the moment if they even have one um and so that was a discussion from uh, it kind of in in an upstream dependency used by an, a number of chains sort of saying well okay d- 
discovery, you know, vulnerability discovered in the wild. Oops, here it is. Um, and there was just like a lot of stuff around that, which I, I, I think all of this stuff is so is very, very interesting because I, the attack surface of Cos and Wasm in particular is so much larger than just the SDK um, that it feels like there's now, you know, what however many chains in production that are now sort of flying by the seat of their pants in terms of having to adopt um well mitigation strategies as much as normal cybersecurity right because i mean it's back to the that one of the things that came out of last thursday was how do you stop these attacks happening and it's like well you probably can't so can you it, it all becomes a question of like how quickly can you recover from them right well not only that but also like what's the response strategy i don't think like I think that's the weakest link in all this stuff is like how do you communicate with 100, 120, 150 validators and and I mean we have you know Google Sheets floating around that have unlimited edit capability and all these types of things like I think that's the bigger issue is like really a response strategy like how do you when something like this happens like Evmos is putting out a build right putting out a build right now that that basically bypasses governance right that has a specific halt height built in to be able to then to be able to run a another version. Um, it's it's I think that's the that's the problem to solve, right? Is like we know that there's gonna be these these situations and the current governance process does not handle these situations. Like there's no like there's nothing built in, at least in Cosmos SDK governance that says, Oh shit, <laughs> we need to upgrade in the next thirty minutes, right? Or we gotta we gotta figure out a way to communicate with all validators and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean and the and the funny thing is, well I guess there's there's a couple of things, isn't there? There's, there are some uh there's there is a way you can obviously broadcast to the consensus set and you could drop them a custom message type that you could listen for there's there's stuff you could do around that there's also been quite a few discussions around um uh, what i guess dow dow would call sub dows but what i suppose everybody else would probably call would, yeah if it was just natively to a chain like a multi-sig or something that could be authorized uh to essentially say we are going to take the governance action of holding the chain so that an upgrade can happen. Right. Um, which is an interesting idea. Uh, but obviously, you know, very high risk. Because <laughs> um, if any, I mean, you're just handing over the keys to the kingdom, aren't you? Uh, in that case, as opposed to the whole of the, the chain DAO, like all of the stakers. So, uh, yeah, the, it kind of comes back down then against the argument of like, well, Unless it's unless it's a very carefully controlled flex multisig or something like that, that the because what happens if people maliciously use that multisig to hold the chain? You can't unhalt it via governance by removing people from the multisig if they've already successfully halted your chain because the people in charge have used their centralized power to hold the chain, right? Um, yep. So yeah, I know it's, it's interesting. A lot of these solutions are really, really interesting. But at the moment, I guess a lot of the ones I'm seeing mainly come from devs, and they kind of implicitly assume that they will be in charge and they can be trusted, which I think is an interesting assumption that I'm not sure holds. <laughs> right. Well, and what does trusted mean, right? Um, if you're using Osmosis, trust means that they're going to do what they can to protect your funds. But on Evmos, I think it's the first Tendermint-based chain that didn't even try to halt the change. They just kind of let it run its course. So is what does trust mean whenever 
trusting might not be related to the funds. I mean, does it make more sense for them to have not halted the chain and to let the other apps continue running? Or was the security of the funds more important? Right. We're talking about Nomad there, right? Yeah, sorry. I kind of like went off in a, a bit of a tangent there. Well, no, no, but 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 so we've we've touched a little bit on osmosis. We've touched a little bit on Juno. Shulzi, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's happened over on Nomad? Yeah, sure. Um, so the bridge was drained over the course of oh, three or four hours or so due to a super interesting um, exploit where uh, basically the bridge, it's it's kind of like it's min user, I guess you could say, um, is is effectively like null. So anyone can treat themselves as as the admin user of the contract. And so if you if you looked at like EtherScan and you saw a transaction you liked, like you know send a hundred Bitcoin to an account, you could just copy that contract and send it to yourself instead of someone else. That that was basically how easy the exploit was um, for for the bridge. That's that's simplifying quite a bit, but that's kind of the TLDR. Um, and the interesting thing about it was that the teams were aware of it happening like in real time. And even more interestingly was that an audit caught the issue and was like marked as will not resolve, which is kind of funny. Um, but right. anyway, <laughs> but they chose to, to let it run its course wait, wait, to try and resolve hold on, it. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Can we, can we just back up a second before you continue the explanation? An audit okay. caught the issue and it was a won't fix. It, I think, I think, what I, I read that same page. I'll, we'll put, we'll find that, and maybe Schulte, you can send it to me. We can put it in the show notes for everybody. But it looks like that they, they, the team misunderstood the audit results. Right? They, they read it differently and didn't understand the actual issue, and just said, "Oh, this is not a problem." Right? Yeah. And and to be fair, so for context for for people who aren't in software, it's it's very common to like encounter a bug and to mark it as like known issue. That's that's totally common everyone does it in software um it's just interesting in this and that like this was marked as a low priority issue um and so they understandably pursued the high and medium priority things beforehand it's just that kind of in retrospect seeing that this exact issue was found and then marked will not fix kind of gives you something to laugh at i guess <laughs> so perhaps should have been marked as catastrophic issue yeah. yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> but there's but, a, lot, a lot of really interesting sides to the Nomad um, bridge exploit because Nomad has built-in infrastructure. Um, let's call them short circuits, I guess. If they know if they notice um, things happening on an infrastructure side, it can cut down the bridge. The problem here was that it was the smart contract itself that had the exploit, and so the infrastructure that was or the 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 watcher couldn't it had no way of monitoring a smart contract exploit versus an infrastructure exploit. Um, and so they're built in systems for monitoring exploits or issues to, to, to shut themselves down. It didn't trigger. Um, I, I don't know the specifics of that. I just know it's, it's pretty interesting that they're kind of watching something that they couldn't, or they're, they're watching effectively the wrong thing, I suppose. Right. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I mean, there's a lot of things that are wild about it, but I guess there's also like this question of what is it about bridges that means they are, I mean, I mean, what is it about bridges that means they are so prone to this, to, to these types of attacks? Because it's not just in one ecosystem, it's in multiple ecosystems. So I don't think it's, 
it's not sufficient to just go, oh yeah, the problem is that they're using Solidity and not Rust because Solana got owned as well, right? They've had bridges that are owned and that's, you know, in a very, very safe language as well, which should mm-hmm. be more resistant to kind of everyday program mistakes that you make in a language that doesn't have ADTs and stuff. So yeah, it is it just that it's the highest risk and most vulnerable bit of the infra and so it's naturally going to suffer more attacks or like what what's the property of bridges that's special or is it just that they're they're visible i feel like it's that they're visible right like i mean this would be a great episode for todd to be on because i know he's actually worked on a, a bridge i believe and he he instilled the fear of god in me about bridges um but i think it's i think it's just how visible they are you know that if you can if you can exploit this you're going to get a crazy amount of funds and because it's so visible and generally there's not an incredible amount of code that goes into it you have a very large surface area to attack yeah and i guess well and i guess i suppose in this case obviously it was a eth exploit and it was <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very a pattern that isn't replicated necessarily in other. But then you're just like this. There there are going to be sleeping things like this in in IBC in the Cosmos SDK and stuff that we don't know about as well. So it's, I think that was one of the things that I I thought was interesting as well about there were definitely some IBC maxis in the chat if you like, who were who were to use a word crowing. Um, and I was sat there a little bit thinking, you know, lads, you know, let's not assume that there are no there are no skeletons in the woodwork. You know, what goes around comes uh, skeletons in the woodwork, skeletons in the cupboard. You know, like what goes around comes around. Um, so well, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I think know. I think like when you do that type of stuff in these big chats, you're like inviting people as well to, um, you know come and test the wares if you know what i mean it's like it's you know like with um luna when you know people are running around big noting things and then uh maybe that incites some violence of of types you know what i mean yeah yeah it's well, like oh oh you think your thing's good well maybe uh let's have a let's have a closer look at that it's like security. imagine if you went to the bank and we're making a withdrawal and the bank teller just the the convention was the bank teller threw a roll of cash at you whenever you're making a withdrawal you know you don't actually go up to a counter you just say i want a hundred dollars and then she eats it at you right uh (laughs) (laughs) that that's what i think of bridges as operating as uh so let's um can can we take like a little step back and because not everybody who watches um this is going to know like what a bridge is and how it works. So I attempted this on Twitter the other day. Do you guys mind if I try and explain what a bridge is um from one side to the other and then yeah, you can I, correct I, me all the way through it? I'm like <laughs> five, so if you could explain it that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I will try to explain it like we're all five. I'll fuck it up and then you guys will have to like correct me to the correct answer. So, all right. So the goal is to take uh, token A or token and send it from chain A to chain B, right? Uh, natively, the 
chains don't talk to each other. So someone has to come up with a way to reliably have them communicate with each other and transfer tokens. So I believe what a bridge does is that you have smart contract chain one and smart contract chain two, and then you send a token to a smart contract on chain one. Smart contract locks up that token, communicates with a smart contract on chain two to mint some token that's a representative token for the token that's locked up in chain one. So that's when you end up with wrapped assets like wrapped ETH or wrapped SOL or wrapped shitcoin. And then <laughs> you can use that on the the counterparty chain um, to your heart's content as a wrapped asset. So the value on the counterparty chain is actually a representative value of the value on the host chain. So um, then I, uh, I guess we need to explain how the value can disappear. If you get an exploit like we did the other day and someone finds a way to exploit the contract on chain one and drains the tokens out of it, then the tokens on chain two no longer have any value because they're not backed by the original asset because they've all been taken away. Um, so that's basically it. Now, the thing that I'm not sure about um, is how those two uh, smart contracts communicate with each other. And I think that people run a blockchain of some description which has uh, communication with both of the chains. Is that right? I, or is it just like some sort of third-party software someone's running in their mum's basement? Yeah, kind of. So in order to communicate between the two, you'll have some sort of API. And so if you're going like, to transfer a token, it's pretty simple. It's actually like you send the token and then you send an address with the token saying the output's going to be here, right? And then you're going to have like software in between the two chains that, that just take that address and then admits it and sends it off. And so yeah. all it is is like send it here, mint it, send it to this address. So in order for it to work, you have to have access to, to both chains to... to um, a way to talk with them, but that's it. It doesn't require any sort of like big behemoth third party or anything. It just requires access from the two chains. They're basically like clients in the same way that like clients exist within IBC. So this is why you see IBC maxis, or why we did see IBC maxis, um, crowing a little bit about the the whole IBC model because there is an argument here where you go, well, if you can derive, um, <clears throat> if you can derive something like a valid back 32 that could actually uniquely, um, rep well, and obviously you can uniquely represent it by IBC. That's the whole point regardless. Um, but if it could be agreed upon that you can open an IBC channel and your chain is, uh, made to be compatible with IBC, then you, you could use IBC as the mechanism rather than a bridge. Because a bridge is just like kind of a, at least my understanding of bridges is just the general purpose term for chain to chain via some light client mechanism. IBC is just a special case of a bridge that has a, a much tighter spec to it, essentially. Um, well, it's it's an it's a native like it's a and it's native. Um, yeah, it's a, well, it's a module level. Right. Uh, bridge it's not like a smart contract layer sitting well, on sure. top but that yeah. you know that still could have a bug in it sure so yeah you know it the fact that it is maybe well there's, there's also 
but there's not a third party um, light client or something connecting together either. They directly talk to it. Oh, actually, sorry, there yeah, is no, this relay. Right? That's literally what a relayer is. Yeah. yeah, it's like a relayer. <laughs> yeah, just so, delete so, that part, usurper on the final cut. Mate. We'll just we'll just <laughs> crop that part out so that it's not bad. so that. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 but no, it's a reasonable question. But, but I think this is this is the thing: is that the the actual mechanism for IBC is literally the same. Funds are locked, and then they're minted as like a wrapped version, essentially on the other chain, which is why we have this problem. Um, the IBC typically has hops of multiple chains in a way that bridges don't, and this is where we get into the if I. If I go Stargaze to Juno to Osmo to Stargaze, and then I go Stargaze to Osmo to Juno to Stargaze, it's not the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, it, is, it is and it isn't. It is, well, it is, it it is that you still have a representative of that token that's been rewrapped about five times, but right. you don't have the original. The, the original token is still locked up in escrow somewhere. Yeah. So the well, so the the issue here actually is not so much they're not the same thing. It is actually uh, a problem of naming. The problem is that they're obviously uh, they're leaf nodes in a directed graph, I guess, and you need some way of saying these are actually the same thing. Which, yeah, it's, uh, but it's it's impossible to do because. Yeah, well, I mean, you chase no, trace, trace back the channels, I guess. It's like having something wrapped in like seventeen sets of brackets, right? <laughs> you like have yeah. to undo well, the brackets. Well, it, well it's, it's interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm squinting a little bit here, but I'm pretty sure the the problem is actually a problem commonly encountered in abstract syntax trees. Um, but yeah i mean the easiest way of doing it is actually just to obviously the way ibc channels work at the moment is they're registered they're known and then they're upgraded so the logical conclusion of that is actually to have a a governance mechanism for uh, a smart contract or a module that just says okay this channel and this channel are the same thing so that perhaps you know when you maybe when you register an ibc channel you can also submit a message to gov to governance or to something saying oh by the way, you can expect this wrap denom to be coming in via this channel, and because you can derive the entire path of a of a denom, right? So you could write a piece of software that would unpack that and identify whether or not it's actually been seen yet. And if it's if it's not been seen before, you could basically say, "Oh, it is an unknown denom. If it has been seen before, it's this other denom," and then you could just filter and triage them. Um, at the moment, that would be doable, I guess, because there aren't that many chains. But automating that would be a bit trickier. Um, but it's not intractable as a problem, I don't think. Um, I suppose you would just need to break down the derivation path, get every single chain that's in the path. And if you know the set is the same, yeah, it's a set problem, isn't it? If all of the chains that exist in one path also exist in the other path, they're the same token. It's just come from a different... There you go. Well, so, so here's... The- so here's a game of notes. Salt. <laughs> Another like, problem. In, in, in I actually my started opinion. writing a smart contract for this as well, which was basically you use. Gov- uh, I wrote this smart contract where you use governance to identify IBC denoms as the same thing. Um, but actually, that's a much smarter way of doing it. It's just look at the derivation path. If they're the same thing, they're the same thing. Done. I well, there, must so- be some, there must be some complexity here I've missed. Come on. No, well, you're, well, you're talking 
about when it comes from the the host chain, right? But if well, so if it's I'm been rewrapped like fifteen times, you can't really chase it all the way back, can you? Well, I'm on chain something, right? But the the IBC uh, the IBC path contains all the places it's come from, right? Not exactly. It kind of does. So. It keeps being like salted against itself, effectively. So, mm. like, go ahead. No, sorry. We we actually need bloody um, was it Fabian? <laughs> Jump on, man. <laughs> Tell us how the bloody thing works. Um, right, 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 right. So it's deterministically salted, but you still would need to unpack all of the different intermediate hashes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a harder problem than I thought it was. Fair enough. So to be clear for people, what, what salting means basically is like a way of randomizing a a word effectively, um, and turning the into and by adding 16 to it or something. That's kind of the idea. Um, a, a common way of changing something in order to make it deterministic, if that makes sense. Um, so here's kind of a fun thing about IBC denoms. Um, Cosmos Hub, I believe, was originally the Cosmos Hub because IBC was all supposed to feed through it. So if you want to go from Stargaze to Osmosis, you're supposed to go Stargaze, Cosmos Hub, Osmosis, originally. But I would argue that our current like spiderweb way of going about it is, is, is better, but that was the original idea. But that then maybe makes sense as to why it's designed the way it was, because it was assumed that you would always have, you could always essentially have a single source of truth somewhere for that, and it's become more of a federated model since. And yep. Yep. Uh, and you know what's the largest federated model network in history? It's Web two mushrooms. Oh, Web. And, and oh, how yeah. solve, <laughs> And how did they solve that problem mushrooms. with your eyes? Um. And what do URIs do that's interesting is they carry around their entire metadata with them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what was the, I feel like I just got rinsed there on the mushroom thing. What was that? Please hit me with it. Uh, you, you asked what is the largest federated network in history? It's mushrooms. Mushrooms. Ah, uh, it's that documentary. Right. Did you, is yeah. that from that documentary? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, you basically, that? yeah. It's very yeah. good. Gentle show of hands, who has done magic mushrooms before? It's an audio yeah, podcast, okay. so nobody can hear see that. But nobody could see who who just did that. Uh, so I'm anyway, boring. Um, mm. I can't remember what it's called. It's called like Fantastic Fungi, I think, or something like that on Netflix. Yes. You should watch it. Yes. It's basically a ninety oh, yeah. minute propaganda film about the benefits of doing magic mushrooms, um, and some I, interesting facts about <clears throat> trees. I'm so older. Simon's done nothing wrong, so let's go. I think I'm older than all of you, but back in my day, it was like one of those things. You can do this ten times, and after that, you're going to be fucked up for life. So just watch out. So you had to like you had to actually pick which times you're going to. Like, is this a night? Am I going to do this tonight? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it tonight. This is one of the ten, and then you make a decision to do it. Oh man, no! When I was in school, man, they taught that you do it one time and you're permanently screwed up. <laughs> you can be just driving along, go. and suddenly Not you're doing once. flashbacks. Not even once. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they told us about acid, but I didn't realize until really recently, until that documentary, that yeah. you can get acid flashbacks from mushrooms, and then suddenly a load of stuff made made sense to me. Well, it was, was, it was like, one of those things where like I had, I had a bunch of friends that were big acid heads, and they were like, "Dude, don't do shrooms." And I had a bunch of friends that were shrooms heads, like, "Dude, don't do acid. That's like crazy. Like, don't do that." They're on both sides of that fence, so we just did them all. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't think it can harm you, really. It's you gotta, because I mean, it's you not got to experiment, right? Yeah, it used to be, basically, when, when I was growing up, it used to be legal. Uh, it used to be legal in, in England. What was legal? Go, magic mushrooms. You used to go buy them from a shop. Get out of here, really? Yeah, until like 2006. They no went kidding. from fully legal, like as in all age groups, you can go just buy 10 grams of mushrooms <laughs> for 10 quid. Mushrooms for your infants? Cheap as fuck. <laughs> Yeah, guaranteed no, afternoon nap here yeah, you go straight yeah. to class a they went straight from free buy them they're really cheap nobody gives a shit to wow. 20 years in prison if you give them to your mate no oh, no like wow. what if you like, just go pick them out of the paddock and eat the fucking thing well that's the fun thing isn't it because they grow all over the fucking place all as long as you know what you're, as long as you know what you're growing yeah 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 well i mean yeah. they just grow in the woods like uh you know, I live in the north of England. There are plenty of places they grow. Some of the freelancers I used to work with on a previous project, they they would just like a couple of times a year just go camp in the woods and do shrooms because they're just like, oh yeah, we know where there's a bunch up in the trees. Uh, oh yeah, they're, they're definitely available around here as well. <laughs> this is like the opposite of the marijuana story in the United States. Like, hey, if you touch this stuff, you're going to jail for 30 years. And like two minutes, like two minutes later, like ah, it's fine. It's no big deal. We've realized there's quite a lot of money involved to this. Oh, we yeah. We, our mind. we tax us? Oh, we can? Yeah. Holy shit. We're actually suddenly suddenly decisively on board with this. Maybe we're okay with this, actually. Yeah. What are we going to do about all the people that we put in prison during the war on drugs? Uh, nah, we'll leave them in there for right now because we're making some money on that. But Yeah. I mean, we're too busy really making money to worry about that stuff. So Todd says uh, a friend on the next bell to legalize. I thought pot was legalized there. Are we talking about mushrooms? We're talking about mushrooms. I think it means oh, really? mushrooms. Wow. If we're talking about mushrooms, then maybe maybe I need to take a, another trip to Colorado. Uh, one, yeah, like why one is thing pot I would legal, say, but mushrooms aren't because mushrooms. It's a different level, man. Like I would never get in a car. I would never. Like I would. You would I, be. Would you'd be scared. You don't get in a car after smoking a bag. Well, you you inject mushrooms sure. one time. And like your whole family's dead. So <laughs> don't, don't shoot up mushrooms. Don't man. don't <laughs> shoot up mushrooms. <laughs> hey, fucking boy. Clearly, definitely don't shoot up mushrooms. That, that's who, who that's a good PSA, with, man. Fucking hell. That is a good. P- that is a pub- good public. One guy, <laughs> he, he like injected marijuana and it was it was all over. That was it. <laughs> next, thing he knew, next thing he knew, he was tweeting as his dog. Yeah, uh, Kevin asked a good question. How do we get from IBC to talk about magic mushrooms? I don't know how he actually made that leap, but it was a leap. It was yeah. the the largest federated network, and it's the the psyllium. Okay. Should we move on? So, to- I mean, back back on the um to my cellia. So I think basically the fray. Correct me if I'm wrong. At the moment, we manage the denom by everybody agreeing that a certain thing is a certain denom from a host chain, right? And basically, you know, it's a UI UX issue thing at the yeah, moment i think we try not to do we we try to make it so that people are well we don't really have you know what, the reason we don't have the big problem at the moment is that the de facto hub of cosmos is osmosis that yeah is but also the that is also the, 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 de, the agreed upon method by devs is to d- deposit and withdraw from the host chains rather than spit the shit around all over the place, right? So exactly. yeah. that's like they're managing it on that level, not the blockchain level. They're, they're managing it on the user interface level. So like, I mean, if you go and look at, um, I don't know about DexScanner, but if you look at like uh, CoinGecko, right, and you look at the the denoms on the exchanges, 
they're they've got the IBC denom. They don't have the you know so it you know it's not proliferated through everything. Yeah, well, I guess um, that's probably because they get their feed from osmosis, maybe. Yeah, well, um, they're probably getting it straight from the um, API, right? The osmosis, so, yeah, price API or something. So, yeah, um, and they don't have like a you know something to convert it in their in their own system. So, because everything's still reported in the API uh, as an IBC denom, um, but the you know there's the UI makes it. Um, you know, the, it renames it to the host uh, denom. So I think they've just got a table of like IBC denoms that match up with, you know, Juno, Evmos, all that stuff, um, just in that osmosis um, software itself. So because if you put the IBC denoms, no one would know what the fuck was going on. They'd be like, what is this shit? What are all these numbers, man? Well, you do remember when there was that thing where Curb the curve the ui for curve fucked up on osmosis and it was just like some random ibc denom and then the pool was just some random gam thing and it was just like wow the shit coin just got even shitter <laughs> uh like it was completely incomprehensible and it's like okay well so now we've seen under the hood yeah right exactly <laughs> ibc 42069 that's that's the that's the curve thanks callum uh <laughs> I like how I like how Callum came on last episode and like <laughs> was was actually like completely normal, didn't drop any memes, didn't drop any shit posting, and then as soon as he's back in the chat, he's just like Mr. Whole... Anderson. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but he did make me feel a little bit dumb being in the presence of such greatness. <laughs> you being you being serious at this point or not, but look, we're gonna choose serious. <laughs> we're gonna choose serious. Um, <laughs> we talked about fucking roundabouts. <laughs> we did talk about fucking roundabouts. Hey, and that's like you know the the comments I saw on on Twitter and stuff were uh, you know it was like oh we there was a yeah. lot of interest in the roundabouts. Watch Game of Nodes. It was <laughs> really conversation about roundabouts. I mean, <laughs> if you want to talk about roundabouts, I'm game. We have yeah one at every intersection around here. It's it's amazing. you have roundabouts. We have, oh, we have about two hundred and some of them in in this area that's crazy i would I, I don't have to just... stop from any point to any other point we this uh particular region i live in is, is all about them it's weird like u.s states have some of that like indiana where we're well not the docs but i think you've doxed yourself there before um yeah. but indiana michigan's the same way michigan has a, t- a shitload of roundabouts um i'm in pennsylvania there's nothing they don't even they would run into each other but it's weird that, like maybe maybe it's like Scandinavian European backgrounds that drive that, or something else that drives that. I'm not sure what what big on roundabouts in Europe. Big, love the roundabouts. There, there, I guarantee, I don't think there's one in Look, Mississippi. Are we going back to having a conversation about roundabouts? No. <laughs> you you want to do roundabouts? Big so like do roundabouts in not your country. That's an ev- that's a, a a two or three lane roundabout not in your country is an eye opening experience as you try and remember when you're supposed to indicate which lane you're supposed to be in so you don't die. Uh, don't so for me, because I'm on a bike. I'm on a pedal bike. <laughs> so when you're, when, when you're in Switzerland and you accidentally take a wrong turn onto a three-lane roundabout and you're like, I want to avoid ending up on the motorway at this point, lads. That was good fun. I mean, uh, roundabouts on mushrooms ago. is really the conversation we should be having. 
Right. Right. It's a shame I didn't have any like, mushrooms with me at that point. Um, on your bike, you would have been you would have been laying on the ground pedaling. Still, <laughs> I think I'm going. I think I'm going somewhere. Yeah. I think I'm sideways, just pedaling away. So, so yeah, we, Juno halted. Uh, Osmosis had a, a almost a halt, but it was just a soft halt. Uh, and then a what soft halt is that like a soft slash? But yeah. no, 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 that's very different. <laughs> Bit disappointed. Uh, Everyone, uh, you know, Don would have a lot to say about this conversation about uh, you know roundabouts and and. Uh, I thought you could say Don would mushroom. have Don Kryptonian would have a lot to say about the holes. I think Don Kryptonian has already posted a lot about the holes. Yeah, yeah, he says some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess he doesn't watch our show. Doesn't care. Off riding horses. Oh, jeez. He's not in the comments. We should invite him. No, something like that. Um, yeah, so, so we're working, we're working away our ways up from like the least impactful halts up to the largest amounts of dollars that were stolen, right? So I think we're at where are we now? We we're at Nomad. We're at Nomad, which is In like a hundred and something, hundred fifty million dollars. Oh, actually, that's that's ninety. That's much higher yeah. than this uh, Solana thing, right? The, so the the interest, the other interesting thing about the Nomad hack, right, was, and I think Schultz you touched on this, was that because it was so easy to exploit. What happened was was not only that obviously when people found out they were like holy shit are my funds at risk but also right. loads of people piled in yeah to fucking rob each other yeah so the reason that number shot up so quickly you know there there were individual like attackers presumably the original ones who were right. draining large sums of money in a systematic fashion <laughs> but also there were zillions of opportunists just robbing each other like li literally just robbing. It was um, interesting when you look at the transaction history. There's just a lot of... I don't know why it was all the same amount. It must have been something about how the hack was working. But yeah, I don't know if it was like White Hat's trying to like save some of it or whatever. But yeah, it basically just had like this going to all different accounts, like the same denomination. Or maybe someone was running a script that just fired it off to different accounts. I don't know. But um, yeah, flash robbery. Everyone just piling on as soon as they figured it out you got weird people on twitter saying they're like running across the the town trying to you know exploit the thing to yeah, save it save the was, money somebody <laughs> said it was like the first social driven i forget what the actual term was, was the first social driven hack slash exploit that like people just just copy and paste and go nuts and do their own their own version of it so do you think like that will get much of it back or you think it's toast it's dead toast. yeah it's toast it's dead the parrot's deceased it's gone on to another place you know I so in terms of that hack then what does that mean for like evmos so really weird things happened when that hack was going on in that um everybody was trying to swap out those shit now shit coins for <laughs> Uh, Evmos, right? So on right. the Evmos decks, Evmos shot up, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, on on the Evmos based decks is like, um, I don't know, fucking whatever they are. Uh, I think you know Fusion. When you're trying and, to degen, degen your way into making a few dollars here. Well, I, I, I it was so on Osmosis. I had um, some Evmos that I was waiting for it to get back to two bucks for ages to to sell to pay for my um you know new microphone <laughs> and um and so i just happened to be up 
and having deck scanner waiting for weeks for it to get back up to that price <laughs> and um yeah so it is the the price on osmosis started to follow the trend from the other dexes i guess people were thinking they could arbit but you really couldn't yeah. um so yeah it, it was weird it shot up like from say a buck 50 to to about two bucks and then had like a pretty severe crash and then sort of a bit of a recovery back up and then crashed off again but I don't like I don't know if people were thinking that um, like I don't know why people were buying the Evmos on um, osmosis I don't know if it was just like a bit of a, a follow-on from the other dexes and people thinking they could arbit or if people were thinking that there is some inherent value increase in evmos from i don't know the hack somehow um anyone anyone know anything about that i don't know i, I don't know why the price went up jabby oh, yeah. i think you're muted man um i, I mean it's it and then it crashed again so if you see an asset selling for two to three times what it is on a different market you know you know that speed is is paramount so let's just go ahead and get the asset we're going to move it over and and then we'll be able to you know recoup the funds uh and, and make a buck along the way and then as soon as you try it you're like oh shit i i can't actually do this because mad usd is you know shut down and <laughs> worthless <laughs> so I, yeah so i've got all this money but i i, I can't actually you know, realize it because they've, they've shut down the contract or, or whatever. So, but this oh, also yeah. so Rama says Arbots thought they could Arbit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair exactly. enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then this is also a little bit the thing we were talking about with IBC a minute ago, right? Which is that, you know, whether it's IBC or Bridge, to a user, they're the same asset, but technically they're not. They have actually nothing to do with each other other than the perception of users that they are the same thing. As soon as it's as soon as it's made obvious that they're not the same thing by a hack, the value goes from something to nothing, like like that. And and that's interesting because there is not that doesn't happen with forex, for example. There, there is no there isn't really is there an equivalent of this in like traditional finance or forex or something where you do have uh, um, maybe futures contracts is the only thing I can think of where. Mm -hmm. If I bought like coal futures or I don't know, or let's say I buy oil futures because I'm a fucking prick. Um, <laughs> and then there's like a, an oil rig fucking blows up and kills like a thousand whales or something. And then it was like, ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. And then the price goes down. P pot potentially my futures contracts would be worthless, I guess. If you had oil futures and an oil rig blew up, it would go up. Well, yeah, actually, that's a good point. It'll be the other way around. So, well, whatever. Yeah, actually, because yeah, public public PR perception of oil companies who gives a fuck is not not going to the price, is it? Bad example. Um, there's a film with Eddie Murphy where there's futures. That's a thing. Trading spaces. Trading places. I can see you're really up with TFI. What? And traditional oranges. And there's like a blizzard. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it like, oranges? There was it, a movie it, once about that traditional finance juice. thing. I think it's Any something like that. 80s movie of reference. I'm your guy. What do you want to know? Yeah, it's <laughs> they're, they're trading like orange juice or something, aren't they? Like frozen orange uh, juice. Yeah. Frozen orange juice, right? Yeah. And, and it becomes worthless because the the 
harvest is different or something and they Jeez, overwater come on, so. man. But, no but, the but, dukes the dukes pay off some dude for a copy which is a which turns out to be a fake copy because eddie went and figured it out but a fake copy of the frozen orange juice process and then they they actually i think they short it is what they do because they think it's going to be down but it's actually up but meanwhile eddie murphy does uh mushrooms and everything comes out fine <laughs> okay well it's good to know it's like I, think, I think that's how i remember it <laughs> something like that yeah okay well so so actually so yeah so even even yeah even eddie murphy did not encounter a situation in traditional finance that was anything like the experience of a bridged asset going to zero. Is what there is thinking. there is no such well actually maybe um well well let's say you have a container right ship full well, of subprime materials. housing subprime, subprime housing wait the yeah the, 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 the two thousand derivative, crash derivatives derivatives yeah, based off of an flops. underlying asset yeah that, okay that man, is we get example. it <laughs> you're like I fucking know it I know it the derivative one there was a movie. Yeah, so 2008 was, I guess, a similar experience in that it was wrapped uh, subprime mortgages wrapped into like risk things wrapped into other things and sold off to other people, and it all kind of house of cards fell apart at some point. So yeah, I guess I guess that is the only equivalent. That is that I the original think. bridge? Is that what we're saying? Subprime subprime mortgages are the original bridge asset. Don't at us. Well, no, there it's... is kind of a fun traditional finance version of this with the Bitcoin ETF. Because everyone assumed that it'd finally get through, and then the SEC was like, "No, nah, it's not." And so then the ETF is basically going becoming worthless, and it's part of the reason why Celsius and BlockFi went down because they they banked big on it. Oops. <laughs> Wait. So, but, but was their ETF just Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'd buy but Bitcoin. How's that ETF? Uh, it was basically just a wrapper of Bitcoin, right? You're trying to bridge Bitcoin into the real world. And the SUC was like, nah, dude, it's, you're not doing that. It's just that. like buying one stock. So it's like not diversified risk at all. It's just like, we banked the entire farm of Bitcoin and now we're broke. Yeah. Yeah, and so when the SEC said, nah, you're not doing that, the value of said bridged Bitcoin became worthless. And then the company, I don't remember which company it was, still had all Grayscale. this Bitcoin. Grayscale, thank you. Yeah. Grayscale synthetic idos lol yeah. so that's just selling stocks that represent a real stock that have no tie to it for it's kind of like it's kind of like, insur- it's kind of like insurance or the, the reverse insurance on a bond yeah right well synthet well i take from synthetic idos they mean making synthetic assets and doing an ido mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, wasn't wasn't Usurper talking about margin call the other day? We were. We yeah, we talked. Talk, it's like the one with Jeremy Irons, isn't like it? Like twelve episodes. Yeah, like twelve episodes ago. Great, great freaking movie. Awesome, really movie. good film. Yeah. I, I it just it was one of those where you know when it comes up on like Prime or Netflix and you see mm-hmm. the cast list and you're like, it's awesome. Oh, I've never seen this film. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's got Jeremy yeah. Irons, like all these people. And I was just it's like, got Spacey before he got busted for all that. Groping. Yeah, it's got Paul uh, Paul Bettany, who obviously mm-hmm. was in Master and Commander, the greatest movie awesome. of all time. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, well if Bettany is in it, and he was in Master and Commander, the greatest movie of all time, although <laughs> Russell Crowe was also in that movie, and Russell Crowe is mostly in shit, so you know, you win some, you lose some. I just watched Gladiator. That I had to go back and see it because I haven't seen that movie doesn't hold freaking up so forever. Well, does it? it doesn't, but there's some fun stuff in there. Like the first ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, know, him, I don't know the whole the whole like family getting crushed thing is like it's a little bit much, but everything else it was fun. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, do they not have that in Australia? 
Are you talking about margin call? <laughs> we were ta- we were just talking about Gladiator, Gladiator. which is which is Russell oh, Crowe. Yeah, I, I think, love that movie. Don't you I thought I thought Australian schooling. You had to watch all Russell Crowe movies. That was like actually a course. That's one of my favorite movies, man. I love that movie. <laughs> what, well, Gladiator or Martian Commander? No, uh, Gladiator. Oh, wrong answer out of those two. Wait, Master Commander. I never seen that movie. Isn't it? Wasn't that a huge flop? It's fucking oh boring. I'm not advocating. I thought it was like a 500. Really wrong. I'm sorry. It, wasn't uh, it like a? It got ten Academy Award nominations. Is that a sign of a movie? That, is that, that true? That yeah, it got oh, so many, but they were. It was the same year Return of the King came out, so it only won mm. um, best dubbing, best sound design, best adapted screenplay. I think. No, best costume design. It was it was like three really weird where they were like, best we have to give it something, but we've also <laughs> given seven to Return of the King. So you're going to have to just have the the miscellaneous shit. And they were like, well, you know, you did on a, you did get a bunch of 200 year old cannons, record them with 30, with 35 microphones and, you know, <laughs> get oh. naval experts in. You did build an entire ship in a massive flotation tank on a gimbal so that you could simulate the guns firing, and you did fire them with actual blank ammunition so the ship model would move so you could film it accurately. You did do all those things, but we're going to give all the awards to Return of the King, so <laughs> sorry about that. I mean, um, so we'll give you, like, yeah, basically all the ones pertaining to, you know, um, technical cinematography. Um, but, yeah, uh, n- not much else. Um, I mean... I feel I mean, like I'm this, learning a lot about you right now. This it picture, actually, it, it made its money back. Um, it did okay <laughs> in the cinema, but it was so blindingly expensive to make that they didn't make any more. It cost because they they did all of it with practical special. They didn't do special effects. It's all practical stunts. Everything on an actual sailing ship. Two actual sailing ships. It cost over two hundred million dollars to make. It was blindingly and it, expensive, and it all resulted in a Doge shit movie. <laughs> well, you are objectively wrong then Al. it is pretty much <laughs> the perfect film everything you need to know did you, everything you need to know about succeeding in life you could basically learn from a combination of master and commander and maybe layer cake so i mean ah, I, yeah layer cake layer the amount cake. of time you've given me like layer cake references <laughs> like oh this is like that thing in layer cake it's at least maybe 10 times at least i mean like and you just pull out these random one-liners from layer cake and you're like oh this is just like this i'm like yeah man Watch another movie. <laughs> 300,000 IMDb users have classified Master and Commander as decidingly average. Well, they're objectively <laughs> wrong as well. That, so it's a solid thing, 7 out of 10. You know, we have talked about this previously. There I is think, even uh, a thing. Th- there is even a thing. We haven't talked about this movie, have we? Yeah, like yeah. Starship. The we were talking about how good it was, and the rest yeah. of us were just fucking crickets. Oh, wait. wait is, is, was there a sequel? It's like in episode one. No. But you know, oh. there's like a, you know, there's like this whole thing where the Americans didn't realize Starship Troopers was a satire, right? And then yes. there were all these think pieces that came out like 20 years later being like, Verhoeven's Starship Troopers is actually a clever satire. And everybody in Europe who watched it was like, yeah, did you guys not see Robocop? Like, the guy only makes satire. That is, the- I'm doing my part. <laughs> yeah, what's a. Starship Troop is also one of my favorite movies. It's Way a fun movie. It's better than Master and Commander. Similar thing right? is starting to happen with Master and Commander. If you go on YouTube, there's a bunch of people with like these hour-long video essays being like, this is the most underrated film of the last 20 years. But you're not that and person, like, right? You actually think this is good cinema. I, do, I right? don't you're think not... they are doing that, man. I don't think they are. <laughs> 
think I think you might be on mushrooms more often than you think. Uh, is this satire? Well, what does what this have to do with like Juno the Cosmos Validator podcast? Oh no, this is film school with the phrase. <laughs> okay, a quick search on YouTube reveals uh, at least two. Yeah, two. The best movie you've the best Star Trek. Well, that's weird. Okay, um, so uh, the whole thing, a whole thing about why it's really good. A whole th- a three point eight million views history breakdown on how historically accurate it is. Six hundred sixty one k views. The most underrated cinematic masterpiece. Uh, the greatest f- film in the twenty first century. There was a lot of video essays basically saying this. One point nine million views for famous movie scenes that are historically accurate. A bunch of expert reacts. Yeah. Uh, a drinking game. That's cool. There actually the Master and Commander cool. drinking game is very good. I would recommend that. Um, Look, man. Yeah. Just because I mean, people say it doesn't make it true. I think it's like a pretty heavy minority are yeah, like well, advocating like, for this. Film. Whatever. I, I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Um, so you do give a but shit. You, but you, you, you clearly You're give a shit. Fucking, I mean, the best movie of all time is Homeward Bound. Because it's a delightful like story, film, actually, about a couple it? dogs trying to get back home. There's also a cat, but it's mostly about the dog. Yeah, we don't really talk about the cat. I used to watch that at Christmas um, on my own. That's a good film. I think we can agree. I mean, this came up because of Paul Bettany, and Paul Bettany is an awesome actor. That guy's great. He's great. I, I haven't seen Master and Commander because you know I have good cinema taste, but. Um, I think you said. Uh, sorry, I think you need to watch Master and Commander Marvel. before you you make that statement because I will. You might I'm going to watch it, it this week. That's my homework. That's my Game of Notes homework is to sit down. If you think for... Gladiator's half decent and you watch last, you, you watch watch just watch Master and Commander. Just I wish that's open minded. So Usurper, just, let's let's watch Master and Commander. Let's do it. We'll together. come back next week. Let's, I don't uh, we don't need to do it three. together. Let's three. just do it as homework and then let's three. jump on a let's jump on a call together. We'll put it on. Get some whiskey out. Stare at your Akash sweater for right. two and a half hours while I watch Master and Commander. Write five pages of reasons why it's shit <laughs> for the next tweet. For the next episode. I, I could name that movie like a, in 12 notes. Yeah. No. Mystery Science Theater 3000 type thing. That would be perfect. Yeah. We can have a book club, but it's a movie club. And we On just the blockchain. The Let's turn it into lights. a... There we go. That's it. Let's do Mystery now. Science chain. Theater on a shit chain with tokens... And then the worst movies like Master and Commander, you can stake on. Wait, what? Hang a second. What if we? What if we do create a marketplace for movie reviews? What if we just do that? Does it need to happen? No. Will we make? We, it's gonna be worth billions, lads. Is this just another module for how? Are you about to have another DGen <laughs> moment? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, everything's social, including movie reviews. So let's just let's just throw it in there. Callum's in the chat. What if if Callum says we're doing it, we're doing it. There you go. He can be our chief product officer. Is if Callum actually the boss of you two? If he says it's DGen <laughs> enough, we do it. And then I trigger the I trigger the Lamborghini clip, and then we we move on with our lives. And that's 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 a feature. It's on the roadmap. Um, I do so, like Paul Bettany. That's my look. Only, that's my last comment. I nominate. I, snack, I feel snack like snack this comment watch. puts Pupmos on in our camp, usurper. I can't. Can you Please read that? Don't, I don't want to read it. It says, "I don't know." I read, read that and don't re- put it on the podcast as watching. Nope. because it's shit. Nobody can see this, so read you know, read it as Pupmos. I think Pup, I, I think that might be an oblique reference to the Family Guy Master and Commander joke. Surely. 
you know the you know the family guy joke about master and commander i do it's too, yeah too cultured think, for us brother i think all oh, right well think it's, it's, awful, it's right? just it there's just a cutaway it just goes they're on they're watching the movie channel it goes and now we go back to masturbator and commander and then like there's <laughs> There's a there's like a, a French ship firing at this British warship, and there's sort of like bashing on the captain's door, and he's just like, "Sir, sh- fucking hell, should we return fire? Crikey!" And he's and you just hear like this gruff English voice go like, "One second. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the joke. That's the beginning of the joke. So I want that that Popmoses comment kind of. Anyway, be. DPS. Yeah, let's get back to yeah. let's talk about Dogs this for a second. Uh, so, uh, dogs per second. So, dogs per second. Sol- let's talk was, about the Solana slope thing. Is Solana bigger value than no, Nomad? No, I, I think the Solana one is actually quite small. Oh, yeah. I heard it was like eight million or something. Um, it's like oh, really. So it's like one nineteenth the size. God, that took me way too long. Eight million dollars, like not even worth bringing up. <laughs> yeah, that's small fry. It's a de- <laughs> just a walk. It's just a day in crypto. Just a day. Just a, hey, yeah, can I just butt in? Can Can I take an opportunity to get us like? Demonetized, uh, <laughs> please. With with that sexy voice and that new microphone, hell yeah, <laughs> family so, friendly. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, this oh. is oh, it's totally demonetizing. Afternoon movie, masturbator and commander. Captain, the enemy ship has opened fire on us. I'll be right out. Sir, we've already lost 10 men. Hang on. Sir, don't you think we should return fire? Yeah, yeah, go ahead and do that, and I'll, I'll meet you up there in like five minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you had pretty that much thumbs up that movie. Yeah, so it's like, I just kind of vaguely remembered it, but uh, yeah. That <laughs> says, says a lot about my ability to remember useless shit, but I can't even remember the name of a method call, doesn't it? Um, so just so everybody knows, that was Masturbator and Commander. <laughs> In my radio voice. In my radio voice. Um, yeah. So, Lincoln, hey, you know. Link in the show everybody, notes. Okay, before before we go back to this, this exploit business, did everybody see June last year? Was anybody into that? You know the new June film? Oh, I did, new, yes. Did I watched it. Uh, yeah. You know, Doom. I didn't realize I didn't realize that was like part one of fucking how however many parts they're gonna do until I got to the cinema, sat down, and it got to the credit, and it was like June. I was like, fucking, let's go, and it was like part one. Yeah, I was right? so disappointed when I got to the end of that, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally I was sat in like the third row at a packed cinema, and I just went, what the fuck? Like involuntarily, and then they were like, everybody around me was like. I'm like, oh fuck! Sorry, I'm I'm not in my fucking living room. Wait, devastating. Is this a mo- J U N E June? Dune. Dune. D U N E. Jesus! How the hell do you guys? So okay. What's the pronunciation going? Wait, wait, wait! You said, but you're not and, aware of this. I, I'm aware of Dune, but you said June. So, so it well, did sound like you said June. Okay, thank you. June. I think we've established Dune. That he says hard words wrong. Dune. Dune. Corolla. Dune. Dune. Is in Sam Dune. Dune. Not Dune. aluminum. Aluminum. Sand June. June. Aluminum. June month. Trunk. Sand June. Hood. Wow, exactly the it's same. the same word. You're saying <laughs> the same word. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, say Dune. Gen. D. D. Yeah. Gent. June. Yeah. June. <laughs> month. Hard it's J. Juniper June. Hard J. Soft J. June. D- Jogging. 
fuck. You know? Uh, I want wait, dead silence on this call. Jabby. Until you say Dune correctly. <laughs> Dune or June? Two different things. June? It was very different to Jabby with the G and Jabby with the J, right? <laughs> Massive just said <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm Dabby. I don't know what he's saying. Jabby. Dabby. Dabby. San oh, June's maybe LOL. Oh, cool. Well, okay, so the Solana thing was only $8 million. Is that even, I feel like that's beneath our notice, isn't it? Like $8 million is nothing. I mean, two, I two people on this podcast have sent that amount of money to the wrong address. You know, that's a week's work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Crypto's going, uh, crypto's going pretty that. well when the uh, osmosis halt is like the smallest who gives a shit article on their podcast for the week. Oh, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? For how long? <laughs> Callum says that. So, uh, just for those of you listening to your podcast players, we had a comment in the chat from Callum saying, I wouldn't even lean down to pick up $8 million. And uh, go, our, our pal, ghost friend of the show, has said, I've lost eight, $200 million to fraud and I'm still here. Now, that's a reference. Uh, Somebody said that, was. that unironically, Somebody- didn't they? On a Twitter space? That was on the Twitter space for uh, what were we just talking about? The Evmos thing. What's that called? Help me out. What was the bridge we were know. just talking about? Nomad. 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 Yeah. So, so, so I got in the Nomad Twitter space. Like, hey, I've been in this space since 2015. I've lost $200 million and I'm still here <laughs> on rugs and poles and this and that. That's yeah, wild. So. Like, but then the question is like, okay, if you lost two hundred million dollars and you're that sanguine about it, then how much did you make? Well, he must have had to have had two hundred million to lose, right? No, at I, least he, he said he started with five thousand, like five thousand dollars, and grew it up through like you know whatever, like early days, right? Grew up two hundred million and then lost it through different types of exploits and this and that, and didn't really say what he was still doing. But so but, he's made a bunch of money from luck, by the sounds of it. And lost and a bunch of money from stupidity. He's not stupidity. I think. Well, I don't know if it was stupidity. I think it seemed like it was. It was. It was. It was like. I can. I can relate to this. It was fifty to sixty year old salty fucking. I got an early. I got lucky, and shit happened. And here I. I'm still here because I believe in it. I can wow. relate. I can relate. I understand exactly. <laughs> hey, Tara, let's talk. I can understand. It. I understand exactly where that person is coming from. Not two hundred million dollars. What the hell? So can I we mean, just appreciate for a minute the irony of uh, Evmos getting wrecked? Basically, the wreck drop wrecked itself. It did. Yeah. <laughs> the circle. Yeah. The circle. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. It's uh, unfortunate, I guess. Although I guess technically, Nomad got wrecked, not Evmos. <laughs> Trickle down wreck. Yeah, but the yeah the. The effect is that everyone on Evmos got wrecked because they all had those wrapped assets, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So God, I mean, it's like you know, it is it is like a moment silence for all the people that were using that bridge. To be fair, that is absolutely pretty. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. It's anyway. I mean, the worst part about it is that, like, I mean, there's like that guy who turned five hundred thousand or sorry, five hundred thousand, five grand into two million and says hey i got like you know i got this for two million dollars or whatever the hell it is like that's that's a nice story and it's fun to laugh at but there's there's a lot of people who started with five thousand dollars who lose five thousand dollars right 
And the numbers of those is probably multiply a thousand or 2000 or 10,000 to one. And that's, that's fucking awful, which, which just basically means that like this idea and this whole vision for how blockchains can solve some problems is just not going to happen. Right. Or it's going to be delayed for X number of years because of this shit. And that's bad for everyone. Right. Like it's, it's nice to talk about, it's not nice. It's, it's interesting to talk about what's going on with a nomad or this stupid wallet thing where I guess they were just taking, I guess they were taking customers 24 word seeds and plastering them on billboards, I guess is the, is the story with the slope situation. Yeah. So somebody posted in the chat, possibly Rama that um, it was apparently like some integration pathway where they were just being like, here is, here is a seed phrase. Um, <laughs> here you go. And you're like, okay, well, yeah. So it's not an upstream. Well, maybe there is some, it, it, you know, some element of an upstream hack here as well. But like, equally, there is a very, very localized piece of stupidity that's happened close to the seed phrase that yeah. has resulted in it actually getting leaked in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, it it sucks, and I feel sorry for the people involved. But it is like, oh, okay, well, it, you know, touch wood. That does mean it, it isn't. It, there's not going to be like a knock on run of things crashing as a result of this. No. Um, and, and to be fair, you know, actually put these put these hacks into perspective. None of it's as big as terror. You know, uh, UST depegging is probably going to be the the biggest shit show from this bull cycle by a big margin. Sure, but I mean, again, it's that's at that's at an aggregate level, at an individual level, it's still fucking awful, right? Like, I mean, you know, right? So, it, it seems like, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, I mean, I think friend of the show, um, what the fuck, <laughs> friend of the, friend of the show, Jack said something along the lines of like, hey, this is the importance of open source wallets, and I would agree with that. Um, this is a closed source wallet that was an iOS type of thing. People probably selected it based off of screenshots in the iOS app store, right? Based on what looked pretty or what they thought might be, uh, might be useful. And next thing you know, you have a situation where behind the scenes, they're doing something stupid, uh, which they should not be collecting seed phrases anyway. And that should never freaking happen. That should always be local on device. Um, and why those seed phrases would make it back to a centralized server or wherever the hell happened is utterly freaking ridiculous. Um, and it's a, it's a, you know, but how would, how would anybody downloading an app off the app store understand that? Right. I mean, that's kind of the issue, right? You just kind of pick it based off of reviews and I look at stars and next thing you know, your funds are drained because you have a company behind the scenes that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, all of us would do our due diligence for anything we run as a validator and stuff, but have all of us audited the code of Ledger? Uh, not no. Ledger, Kepler? No, but but I have never installed an iOS web <laughs> or any sort of mobile wallet. That's the other piece, too. It's just, I well, yeah, I mean, I, Kepler I, and Ledger, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't even buy, I don't even do, I wouldn't even buy a fucking pizza from a phone. I literally, right. my phone is for messaging. And looking shit up, and if I need to pay for anything with a credit card, it happens on a laptop. Really? Yep. That's I, I use started. Apple Wallet like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I carry. I, I have. I have a card that only is a cash card. It only has some some money on it, which is in my Google Pay, uh, just in case I need to when I'm out cycling or something like that, and I've only got my phone on me. Yeah. Um, 
Well, credit but, cards are different because there's there's some protection there. Like I'm paying for that service, right? Like there's a percentage oh, that yeah, they're getting, and I'm paying for the if something gets hacked, that's on them. That's not on me. Like yeah, that's well, part of then that's I, part of it, the value of paying there. But, I'm a, yeah. I'm a cash only kind of guy. I don't have a credit card. I don't have any of that stuff. So, and you go to a bank vault to compound your rewards. Do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't believe in I don't believe in credit. I don't really I don't believe in loans. I don't believe in credit. Um I think it's all the way of I, I think it's all the way of um creating compliant bodies under capitalism to do the biddings of a corrupt upper class and I don't want to be a part of I have a student loan which I'm not super happy about, but the only way I can afford that. Um everything else I, I refuse to participate in late capitalist um credit systems. I think it's a scam. It is a scam. Uh, and then when people try and create this stuff on a blockchain, I'm like, well, I I'm, I don't get involved in tradfi. I wouldn't get involved in a blockchain. I think it's a, I think it's a system of of economic slavery. It's, it has no other purpose than that. Um, so if debt, yeah, debt. Yeah. Have you read uh, Five Thousand Years of Debt? I think you would enjoy it. No, it sounds interesting. Uh, obviously, like I mean, uh, the irony I suppose here is that you know you would expect me to be one of those people that's like, oh, the government budget must be balanced, it's like a household budget. But actually, when it comes to government economic policy, I'm exactly the opposite. I'm like, spend all you want, mint debt, don't give a shit. It's government debt. It's a hundred fifty year time scale. Nobody cares. Um, yeah. So, amount of contradictions. Put put this on your book list. It's uh, David Graeber. Oh, it's Graeber. A-E-B, oh, yeah, okay. I've read some of his stuff. All right, yeah, yeah okay. it's called Debt the First 5,000 Years. It's a good book. I will go and buy that. I can give you it's a relevant. Can, do you, you want to recommend back if we're doing serious books? I recommend Skunk Works um, by, uh, what's his name? Let me find, talk amongst yourselves. I'll find you a reference for my uh My current book reading is Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm reading that, uh, through cognitive dissidence. <laughs> I'm reading through the Shock Doctrine by Naomi Naomi, Naomi Klein. What's that about? Uh, basically, yes. how the CIA screwed South America. Oh, nice. Mm, nice. More than that, but that's that's a pretty decent TLDR. Jabby, do you have a book that you're reading currently? Death, the first five thousand years. Oh yeah, really. Yeah, I'm through like the first few chapters of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's totally, we're just um, compounding the concepts of uh, Western religion to serve as the basis for for our financial systems. Totally makes sense. Yep. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You said? Yeah, I'm reading Master and Commander, and it's fucking garbage. Well, the novel, the original novel, the highly oh regarded- god, I don't want to, I don't want a Wikipedia article around it. I was just making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a beloved series of oh, eighteen. Oh, books I don't care. Stop talking about it. With a similar st- stature to the oh, shark novel. Just, it's literally like four hundred pages with and just a picture Crow of a shit portrayed on every so single page. It earned a, a solid seven out of ten on IMDb. It's a picture book of turds. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Yusef has already worked himself up into a hatred. So when he Dude, watches it, he's going hatred- to be like, he's going to be I, like, oh, hang on a minute. It's actually quite well shot. And the sound design is very good, actually. Uh, I don't say that. that. I've never seen it. I have no opinion to this movie. My opinion is purely towards your love of it. Look, th- th- this Which man's I'm- talking about like 
lighting effects. He's got a fucking broken <laughs> lamp pointing at the wall for his lighting in his studio. <laughs> well, I, I, have an, I have an architect's lamp because, you know, it's actually like important for to see the stuff, you know, for writing that, and whatnot. That is an that is an unshaded bulb sitting on a broken lamp that has no backlighting. <laughs> yes. There's no key light for everything. Like I said, you walked away before. I it said for everything that you in spend in audio, that. you spend the inverse in lighting. Well, this it looks, it I don't looks know what like that is sitting near That's an, an architect's uh, lamp. It's a it's a it's a really really good uh, long work lamp. So you can you, all of the stuff on on your desk is evenly covered, and it's also um, uh, it's different colors during the day and night, so you can work late at night without uh, ruining your sleep. I would say, I would describe that lighting as harsh <laughs> and inappropriate for a podcast. Get a fucking ring uh, light. Well, I have, I have a ring light, obviously, but I prefer to you not do? be like set in the dark, which is what it feels like when you do that. Oh, Ugh, you're yellow. Very Ugh. weird. It's now it's. I don't know. It's the ring light's super weird because remember it's late at night here, so it's all it's all very weird with the room lights. Whereas I I actually have like stuff on my desk, so it's weird to not have the desk light on. Anyway, the book I'd recommend yes. is Skunk Works: A Personal Memoir of My Years at Lockheed um, by Ben mm. R. Rich, um, ghostwritten by Leo Amos. It's a oh. very very excellent book <laughs> about the research and development um, and managerial strategies of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works that allowed them to develop the U-2, then the SR-71, uh, then the F-117 Nighthawk. Uh, so we is, will put these wow. all these books in the uh, show notes. In the show notes. I hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys remember what we talked about. Sure, obviously, I will I will go out and buy uh, your recommendation of a book, and I'll go read it, and you can have a review on a future episode. Um, and yeah, Shock, Shock Doctrine is like a solid stone-cold banger um, no logo by Naomi Klein is actually, I guess, the original inspiration for Howl um, for fans. Really? Fans, yes. Huh. Um, I the, it, it, the motivation of like brands and advertising kind of destroying the world, but via occupying mental space is kind of the chief motivation for building something like Howl. It's also my chief interest for joining the blockchain space in the first place. Hey, um, another I another recommendation. Is this I book? have heard of that book actually. I, I can't say that. <laughs> what are you, what are you holding up? Oh, you've Touch been shop? talking to Meow, have you? Man, I picked up. I, I saw that in the Dow Dow uh, Discord, and I bought it. And I uh, I read it when I'm giving blood. It's uh, quite enlightening. <laughs> it's not what I thought you were going to say there. Giving plasma takes a fair <laughs> fair while, and I like to sit there and read like you know these little. Uh, <laughs> these little things it's hilarious they were like what are you reading i'm like i'm enlightening myself oh man very good um yeah okay well um so should we talk about how the juno halt happened do we want to do we want to post more of that well that let's let's uh is there, let's any, is there any more with- is there any more DPS to go over from the other DPS that we haven't gone over yet? We've also got some questions here. We should maybe ask the questions Do at we? some point. But. <laughs> Ghost asked, business that bad yet to start donating plasma? <laughs> <laughs> we don't get paid in Australia, UST. man. It's, it's freebies. You People get, cookies. get plasma for freebies over here. Yeah. Just like yeah. just like Null's t-shirt. It's another freebie. Mm-hmm. It's fallen on hard times. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sponsored by a cash. 
But uh, living room provided by IKEA. If you want to like sponsor me, (laughs) maybe we can work something out. We can work something out. Yeah, I won't tell anyone, and I'll shill your shit on Twitter. Greg, (laughs) Greg, reach out. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, just reach out to me privately. Did you get the T-shirt before or after Greg came on Game of Notes? No, it was like way before. It was like a year ago they sent me this. Fair enough. Tie in. Um, <laughs> so sorry, no. You what? What did you want to cover before we? Oh yeah, let's let's just. Um, I would like to just commend the incident response this time was uh, very good in my opinion. Uh, quite a quick turnaround. Um, it was like an all hands on deck thing. Uh, yeah, you might be able to explain it in better words than me, but. Um, from the, the moment it was like identified that the chain was halted instead of like freaking out, people were straight on to finding a solution. Um, I think it was a pretty quick turnaround on a solution. Um, do, and we have like a playbook now, is that right? For, for crisis, crisis-y. Yeah. I mean, in the sense of, obviously we have to find and patch the thing first. That's the. That's the unknowable bit, but as soon yeah, as we have, all I that think stuff, that happened quite quickly. It. Like I think yeah. that happened within a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was obviously we're very lucky that we had a staff looking into it as well. But also there were um, uh, what's his name, Angelo from Bitsong, um, Demi and, obviously, um, Ethan um, was there as well. Ethan sure. was about there. Basically, there were a lot of people around, and I I think actually the person who first so obviously somebody decompiled the contract um and it was something to do there was something there was some mention of reply i think that was the clue it was it was time and then it was reply there was a time and there was a reply and that was the kicking off point for angelo and demi to start looking into where that might have come from and that pushed us in the direction of author z which then revealed the exploit in time um so, and the interesting thing is this, there was actually a bit of misdirection in that as well, um, because there was a, there was a potential smoking gun, um, that was identified very early on. And actually Demi, uh, and Angelo from Bitsong and Demi from core, um, came up with a patch that they demonstrated actually solved the bug, but it, it, it was actually a bit subtle. It hadn't solved the bug. Well, it caused it solved a potential case of the bug, but it hadn't actually patched it. Um, and Asaf basically was the one that actually showed that the uh, the thing that we thought might be happening, which was a system local time was being inserted to cause non-determinism, was actually not happening um, in the contract anyway, the malicious contract. Although whether or not that would have been possible, I don't know. I don't think so, but um, that was the initial thought as to what might have been happening there. Um, so, so can you then break down, um, like we're five, uh, how the the exploit halted the chain? Um, I think I know a l- somewhat, but I'm not 100% um, on the exact exploit and how it caused the non-determinism. Okay, so it's quite clever, um, but the very, the very, very short version of it is that every transaction in the SDK returns events uh, when it 
when it returns, there's like a response and you can attach events to that. And events are just like mm, metadata, I, I guess, is a way of thinking about it. It's usually stuff like, hey, here's an event that says I, the thing that was called was blah, let's say send. Um, the sender was this address. The recipient was this address. Like you might, all three of those might be encoded as events, I guess, right? Um, and they're serialized uh, via protobuf, uh, bish bash bosh, right? They're outside of consensus. Um, so they're not validated by the blockchain state machine before they're committed. So they are not deterministic. They usually are in practice because obviously anybody who works on the blockchain is afraid of non-deterministic behavior in general but they're not this is the crucial thing is although they almost always are deterministic they're not guaranteed to be a deterministic and it doesn't matter that they're non-deterministic because they're outside of consensus so who gives a shit and here's where it gets fun right because within cosmwasm you can read events from other cosmwasm contracts uh, you know this is how you pass uh, information about things that have happened right so somebody worked out that using the reply endpoint, which uh, essentially takes input from the result of a an operation in either the SDK or another smart contract, you could um, collect those events if any of those events were non-deterministic, right? So within Cosmwasm, it's not you can't. There's no non-determinism in that because of the way the serialization works. But what somebody had found was that in AuthZ, there was a situation where the events returned were not always deterministic. Um, it was, I wrote this down, it was, yeah, message grant and revoke, right? So what you see in the contract is it's calling them a whole bunch of times because sometimes it's non-deterministic. Well, well, sorry, it is non-deterministic, but sometimes the, the, the result will be different, right? So then what you can do is if you feed a whole bunch of those transactions to a whole bunch of those events to the reply endpoint and you ignore success or failure uh, and then just save a hash of that, eventually at some point they'll disagree, right? Across different validators and you get an app hash. Well, you don't get an app hash, you get hard fork. Um, is okay, well, so they've, they've taken the output from a, they've taken the output from a module as the reply with yeah. junk uh, that would normally be you know the same across the validators but sometimes you end up with a difference in time yeah and, and normally it has no impact absolutely no impact because it's just normally probably discarded right not not yeah, part because of because it's not part of consensus so and and nobody takes those as input normally to anything else right yeah and so they're feeding that reply input into a smart contract which does some shit and then gets balked because one or two validators ended up with a different state. Yeah, so well, well, every validator ended up with a different state, which is why you saw so many calls uh, in the exploit. Yeah. Um, but all of that so had clever. to happen. Yeah, it's, it's clever. It's a clever exploit. You had to have spotted the exploit in AuthZ. You had to then know that WASMD uh, not only would accept those if you use the reply endpoint, which is, bear in mind, like, 90 or not 90 percent like let's say 50 60 percent of simple smart contracts only use the three standard endpoints they don't use the reply endpoint um 
So you had to know about that. And then you also had to know that the the WASM module that implements Cosmwasm doesn't do any additional filtering that would change that output um, to the to, to the module and that it accepts events from other non-WASM modules to the reply endpoint. So that's that's quite a few things to know. Um, I think I have a a, um, a, a so there's there's obviously a number of this is when we get into who do we think done it territory, and I think where it gets more interesting because obviously there's always the possibility that is some script kid, um, and there is also a possibility it's somebody who just looks for upstream. Um, dependencies to grief these projects like you know there's um there's a really interesting thing so i've spent the last couple of days basically digging through issues to work out the order in which this stuff was was found and one of the things you see is that there are these unrelated issues that have been sort of raised on on wasmd and cosmos sdk it commented right which yeah yeah, this in the next version (laughs) Well, no, not even that. So people have rate they've been trying to implement some piece of functionality and they've noticed some weird behavior and they've gone, hey, this thing's weird. Can we fix this? And they've not thought, hold on a second, is there a chance that this could be used as an exploit? So they've just said it publicly on an issue. <laughs> um and there's actually so the really uh, yeah, and the really so the really interesting thing is like uh there's a bu- there's two issues in Cosmos SDK, which I think Asafa pointed to on his Twitter thread, um, saying, Oh, this has been reported six days ago. More interesting is that, like twelve days ago or whatever, um, there was something raised on WASMD, which was, I, I think, ground zero for spotting that this was non-deterministic, which was about gas fee estimation. And what's really interesting about that is, that while people are already, in, I think, in Korea maybe for Hack Atom, and the first reply to it is somebody from Confio saying yo do not post this shit publicly follow the disclosure procedure in security.md if you want to talk to us about non about gas non-determinism and that did not happen <laughs> so well or, or it did behind the scenes and we didn't see that bit and we got hit before that that discussion had run its course but what i also saw was the same user opening issues both on WASMD and on Cosmos. Now, I don't think that's a malicious thing, but I think it goes to show how subtle this bug is that the reporter who essentially found the exploit that themselves did not even realize the seriousness of the small thing, the seriousness of the thing that they had uncovered. They'd found some inconsistent behavior and they were trying to just chase it down um, for consistency's sake. But very few. It took a while, I think, for people to spot what an issue um, this actually was, and the the real catalyst for that was actually Juno getting taken down. I think until that point, nobody had really, even though there'd been a couple of mentions of, "Hey, can you actually also pass this on to the security contact?" Nobody was like, "Delete this thread," you know. Nobody had taken that level of like, stop talking, delete this GitHub issue. This is actually a security threat. Um, which I think, you know, if people had realized the seriousness, they probably would have done, um, given that. Can you actually w- delete an issue? Is it, does it yeah, not still exist? No, you After can fucking, you delete it. If you you're delete the, it. No, if you're the organization owner, you can fucking delete that shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can like nuke it out completely? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a few things going on there, but there's there's like a kind of audit trail between like issue 904 and WASM-D and then issue 910, um, which I think it pretty clearly shows um, a user running into a, a kind of interest, uh, like a kind of edge case that they can see as a bug, but but the various people involved either not spotting the severity of it or not wanting to again say disclose because that's the other thing like if you it cuts a number of ways if somebody finds a bug and you're sat there re- triaging the issue and you go oh my god this is really bad do you say to them stop talking this is really bad they might be an attacker do you delete the issue and then make them realize it's a bad thing i see this is where it gets into all very low trust stuff i, I don't know 100 percent what the correct thing to do is there you know do you delete that issue because you don't want additional people to see it but in doing so at least that one person knows that they've probably found an exploit you know that could be a yes. throwaway burner github account and they could be the person who hit us i don't think they are in this case because they've been too kind of doxing themselves and noisy on on github and they seem to be genuinely working on another project so yep. I, do, I don't think that's that but i don't know it's all it's all quite interesting i think from that kind of uh maybe social side of things with this like how how do you manage that risk uh that risk surface do you know what i mean um and and as an aside just for those who are kind of interested about how this stuff works obviously serialization and all that kind of stuff is is a more complicated subject and there's an interesting point here which is that protobuf itself is non-deterministic for maps and that all that kind of stuff is used quite heavily in Cosmos. So when I say like people are very alive to non-determinism in Cosmos, and Jabby will obviously also know about this, is that there are a series of ADR um, decision records and design patterns in Cosmos to deal with non-determinism in um, serialization cases. And it's why anybody who's worked with the SDK uh, sees like quite there's quite a weird sort of syntax for a lot of the stuff that's basically um, ordered maps. Um, so the inputs are kind of ordered to the first key and the second key and the third key. So sort of to the user, eventually they get back JSON that looks like a map, but when it's actually worked with, it's actually more like a, it's more, yeah, it was an ordered, it's an ordered dictionary or it's an ordered uh, hash map, depending on your language and what your language kind of uh, calls it. But there's like a, if anybody's curious, ADR 27 and ADR 20, I think I should look at my pad. ADR20, hey, um, are two of the ones that kind of govern that behavior in the SDK, which sort of shows that this is something that is very, very serious in other contexts, but just in the case of events, uh, in this particular case, like it was just not sorted. Um, and then the fix for that has obviously been to just enforce, well, number one, enforce fil- enforce sorting in WASMD, and number two, filter non-WASM events. So that's how it's been patched for the future um which is you know you're shit out of luck if you had a non-wasm event use case that you wanted to feed into the reply handler but um i'm not aware that anybody does so um so yeah that's it that's 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 the juno hack um, so mo- moving on from that explanation um <laughs> <laughs> that long ass explanation. So, uh, so now, now you're no longer five. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think I grew up from five to like 40 and with 20 years of experience through there. Uh, but anyway, so one thing that has um, resulted from this 
uh, hack also is we have realized the now pressing need um, to be able to recover from these attacks quickly, which is not currently possible with the uh, invariant issue when we um, hard fork. So the uh, invariant checks when we're restarting the network are now taking like an entire day. So we were, I think we found and patched the issue in under like, you know, eight or so hours um, and had it out to the validators, but then spent the next 24 hours with uh, invariant checking. So um, I believe that uh, Juno Core are going to put out a um, bounty uh, for people to try and improve the SDK um, in that we can get through the invariant checks quicker, like some parallelization potentially. Um, Don't know how that's going to go, but that's going to be an outcome. And can someone tell me what a Nutella kit is? Like the... uh I don't know. I saw people say words script kitty and Nutella kids. <laughs> uh, script kitty. Well, script kitty is just a kid who takes down your website. Are they smart or do they just write scripts that do random stuff that breaks things? The implication is that they're a, a fucking little prick who's copy pasted a script off the internet. And so no one knows what. An, so I'm not alone in not knowing what Nutella kids are. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. If someone said it in the chat, it's like, oh, oh it's probably a Nutella kid. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I don't know. I just see there's a snotty nosed little kid. Why are you going like, to bring Nutella, Nutella in into this? What does Nutella do? They didn't do anything wrong. I, I assume it's a young person. I don't know. Okay. Did you know that Nutella, you know, for, do you know what Ferrero Rocher are? Yes. Oh, Did Shock you know that it's just Nutella inside Ferrero Rocher? Rocher? Yeah, I okay. absolutely did not know that. Because they're they're the same company, obviously. So it's just it's just Nutella. Is it? That's pretty cool. <laughs> Would you know the other thing? Because listening, the phrase doing like, head exploding movements. Obviously, like the main ingredient in that stuff is like palm oil or whatever to to thicken right. it out. Now, like presumably originally it wasn't because it would have been made by, you know, some Italian grandma or something. Um, but like, if you go to like. Any supermarket in Europe, you can almost always get um, organic, uh, like own brand Nutella, and it's literally mm-hmm. just like hazelnut and cocoa yeah. powder and sugar, and it's the most rich thing in the world because it's basically just nut oil and fucking sugar and cocoa, and it's the best thing ever. 